Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Mary Beth Shin will join us to discuss In the Midst of Plenty. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science show. Well, the United States seems to be a land of plenty, but homelessness still abounds. What are the solutions to this very vexing and continuing problem? Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Dr. Mary Beth Shin. Dr. Shin is a Cornelius Vanderbilt professor at Vanderbilt University. She co-led the Family Option Study of Different Approaches to Ending Family Homelessness, evaluated the initial study of the Pathways Housing First experiment, and developed a model used by New York City to target its homelessness prevention services. She has penned the new book, In the Midst of Plenty, Homelessness and What to Do About It. Dr. Shin, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it is certainly our pleasure, certainly a great book, which you explore the problem of homelessness in the U.S., and I'm curious why you decided to put the book together. Because I think we know now how to end homelessness. We have the research that shows us what to do, and I think it's important to get the word out. If people think it's hopeless, then they don't want to put the effort in. But if people understand that we know what to do to end homelessness, I'm hoping that that will lead to the political will to do it. How big an issue is homelessness in the country? Is it just sort of hidden from view, or are people not really aware that this is as big a problem as it is? Well, many more people become homeless over a period of time than are homeless on any given night. So on a single night in January, we have over half a million who are either out of doors or in homeless shelters. Over the course of a year, it's more like 1.4 million who use homeless shelters, and we don't have an annual count of people who are out of doors. Over five years or a lifetime, it's, it's much larger than that. So I think it is a big problem and probably a larger one than people realize because homelessness for most people is a temporary state. It's not a permanent trait. It's something that people pass through. So we can try to prevent them from getting there. We can help them get out faster and we can help them not come back. What are the populations that are at risk? Surprisingly, the age at which someone is most likely to be in a homeless shelter is infancy. That is, more infants are in shelters around the United States than any other single age group. Many people who become homeless are members of minority groups. African Americans and Native Americans are at special risk, even relative to their proportion in poverty. And there are a lot of reasons for that that I could go into. You know, people who are homeless are poor, overwhelmingly poor. And among people who are poor, a relatively high proportion experience homelessness at some point in their lives. Homelessness is primarily caused by lack of affordable housing. In the 1960s, we thought homelessness was at an end. Social scientists thought it would disappear when the generation of older men in skid rows passed. At that point in time, we had more 
housing units that were affordable to people at the bottom of the income distribution than there were people. But as that changed, as rents went up and as incomes didn't keep up with the rents, we developed a surplus to a gap in the number of units that were available to poor people. So at this point, there are only about 35 units available and affordable to people at the bottom of the income distribution for every 100 people. So it's primarily a housing affordability problem. And if you make housing affordable, you fix a great deal of the problem of homelessness. Some people need a little more. So people with serious mental illnesses or substance abuse problems may need additional services And we know that providing those services on a voluntary basis is superior to forcing people to engage in services that they're not interested in. But it's primarily a housing affordability problem. And even folks who need services also need housing. Where are the incentives to provide that housing? Well, in the stimulus package that President Biden just announced, There's a lot of money for housing choice vouchers that would go a long way if that whole stimulus package is enacted towards ending homelessness. It's also important that those vouchers that hold people's rental costs to 30 percent of their income go to the people who are poorest, to the people who need them most. Right now, we subsidize housing for rich people in the form of deductibility of mortgage payment interest from your taxes the deductibility of real estate taxes from your income for taxes, but we don't subsidize housing for poor people to the same extent. Are there other comprehensive efforts to end homelessness? Well, an expansion of the Housing Choice Voucher Program is the closest thing we have to a silver bullet. But anything that raises incomes at the bottom or makes housing cheaper would help. And there are a lot of strategies to raise incomes at the bottom, increase the minimum wage, enhance the earned income tax credit, make certain benefits such as disability benefits a little bit more generous. And there are many strategies to reduce the cost of housing. One important one is to stop exclusionary zoning. That is zoning that says all you can have in this area is a single family house with a certain acreage around it. And if we allowed for multifamily housing everywhere, we would also reduce the cost of creating housing that poor people can afford. Hmm. Things are certainly tied up in a lot of societal arguments, especially in these days and times. Uh, Do you think that these types of obstacles can be overcome? Well, that's why we wrote the book. We wrote the book to try to say, we know how to end this. It's a matter of political will. Homelessness is a choice, not by people who are on the streets, but by the rest of us when we look the other way. What are then some grassroots efforts then that people can do to help facilitate these types of changes? Well, right now there is some money in the CARES Act, the first stimulus, that can be used to help people with rent. And we need landlords to step up and rent their units, their available units, to people who've come off of the streets. Individuals can help by contributing to programs that try to house people. Too much of the time, we simply try to shelter people. We don't try to help them move on. But to focus on programs that are actually attempting to get people into housing. They work, we can do it, and we need to put our resources there. If you were to prescribe a program, a step-by-step program for ending homelessness, what do you think it would be? And do you think that it would be long-lasting? Sure. I mean, if we drastically expand the Housing Choice Voucher Program, 
so that every family who's eligible, say folks below 30% of the area median income, could have access to that program, that would make a huge difference. For folks with serious mental illnesses and substance problems, the housing first approach that gets people into housing immediately with private landlords without any prerequisites for sobriety or participation in treatment works to end homelessness. And it provides a platform where people can then work on their other problems with voluntary services. For folks who have who are not families and who also don't have disabling conditions, shorter-term rapid rehousing programs that give a bridge to permanency, that give people a short-term subsidy or maybe help with eviction can also either prevent homelessness or move people out of homelessness, give them a platform from which they can look for jobs and try to generate the income to keep them there. If all these things were enacted, if homelessness were eradicated, how could we prevent it from becoming a problem again? So we have to stop generating homelessness, and that means we need to raise incomes at the bottom and reduce housing costs. I mean, the unaffordable housing is the driver of homelessness, and to the extent that we raise incomes at the bottom of the income distribution, we make housing more affordable, we also interrupt the conditions that generate homelessness. Homelessness is really the worst manifestation of inequality in our society. So when we can reduce inequality, we stop generating homelessness. It requires a lot of political will, a lot of concerted effort. Do you feel optimistic with changes coming about that these things be moving in the right direction or the current status of these efforts? I think we have a better chance now than we've had any time in the last decade to really put an end to homelessness. There is money in the proposed stimulus package that President Biden has just announced that would go a long way in that direction. And I'm also optimistic because we have the research now that shows us what to do. Ten years ago, we didn't have the same information that we have now that shows us that we really can be successful. And I think that's important. We know how we should direct our funds to make the most difference. How do other countries approach this issue of homelessness and what can we learn from them about it? Well, Finland, which is not as wealthy as the United States, has essentially ended homelessness as the Department of Housing and Urban Development defines it. Finland has a broader definition of homelessness, more akin to what the Department of Education uses, so it hasn't yet met its own efforts, but it has essentially ended homelessness as we know it through a concerted Housing First nationwide effort. We can also learn from our own efforts. The Veterans Administration, in cooperation with HUD and with local city challenges, has cut veteran homelessness in half over the past decade. So we know we can do it if we're willing to devote the resources. It really is a matter of political will. Curious if you have some final words regarding the problem of homelessness, if people want to learn more about your work, your book, where can they go? Well, the book is available at all the usual sellers in the midst of plenty, homelessness and what to do about it. The National Low Income Housing Coalition also has information on its website about programs to prevent and end homelessness. So those are two good sources that people could go to. We were just talking with Dr. Mary Beth Shin. She's the author of the new book, In the Midst of Plenty, Homelessness and What to Do About It. Dr. Shin, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you so much for having me. 
And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.